It's with joy that the student athletes are returning to the fields and courts, but it doesn't feel quite the same. Where have the people gone? Seems like there's no one hanging on. Cut out, cut out, cut out, cut out. What is this cut out? In 2020-21, the people may be cutouts, but there are still games and there are still tailgate shows. They're still broadcast. And through it all, there is still the Joe Beaver Show, a place to gather at proper distances to talk about it all, to talk about what we do have. And it looks like we're ready to give it one more try. So, such as it is, we're ready to give it one more try with John and Mike and the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. One more try for this week, closing out the home stretch of the month of, Mar month of March. Thanks for joining me, everybody. This is the Joe Beaver Show. My name's Josh Warden. I'll be running solo, but not solo at all today. I'm the only one in studio, but far from alone, both with your texts and calls, three different guests from Oregon State Sports, two current athletes at OSU, a couple of student athletes joining me, and one former Oregon State athlete that will join me as well. And first up, amongst all the guests, is Mike Parker himself, uh, just about 24 hours away from tomorrow's action. In fact, 24 hours from now, Mike Parker will be starting the pregame show, 11 a.m. tomorrow from Indianapolis as Oregon State takes on Loyola Chicago for a chance to get to the Elite Eight. If Oregon State wins that game, they'll come back just a couple days later on Monday. I don't believe we have the start time. They kind of figure that out after the whole Sweet 16 ends, or at least that first day of action. They'll set it Monday, and hopefully Mike will stay at least a couple more days over there in Indianapolis. Mike will join me in about eight minutes, and we'll talk this basketball game, the matchup, more info on Loyola Chicago, what the team has been doing, what the scene is there in Indianapolis. I'm kind of curious about Loyola Chicago. I was reading an article today in the Gazette Times, I think it was a Wire article, about how the gap is closing. The gap between the, the, the Blue Bloods, the teams that tend to be at the top, not just the, the certain number of schools, but the types of schools, the Power Five schools, that sort of thing. And the, the example they used, starting anecdotally, was Luke Williamson, a guy who's now the second leading scorer with the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago. Well, he played at the same high school as Jaleel Okafor, who was a one-and-done player, went on to the NBA, was the third overall pick in 2015. And, and the story kind of went, well, all the scouts were watching Jaleel Okafor and noticing the, the big, tall guy, you know, very good player, ultimately has not had a great NBA career, but you can understand why he was a big-time recruit and was a, a lottery pick in the NBA six years ago. But on that same high school team was a younger player named Luke Williamson. I thought for a second, how in the world can a guy still be playing in college who is high school teammates with Jaleel Okafor? There's no way that he could still be there. Well, it worked out because you know Okafor is one and done, drafted in 2015. Even though he's six years into his NBA career, Luke Williamson being younger than Jaleel, they were on the same high school team but not the same class, and then he stayed all four years. Now he's playing for Loyola Chicago and uh, a senior for the Ramblers, their second leading scorer. 
and uh, a good player for Loyola. So I- I'm curious to ask Mike what he knows about Luke Williamson and his opinion just on the scope of, of college basketball. Will teams like Loyola Chicago make more runs like this? Not that this is the first time for them Final Four just a couple years ago, but will this become more common than it already is in an upset-laden tournament as March Madness tends to be? But will we see deeper runs from from eight seeds? Not that Loyola Chicago is a typical eight seed. I'll get into that a little bit of why this run should have been expected for Loyola Chicago, and I wish that Oregon State was playing any other eight seed than Loyola. I, I wish they were on the far side of the bracket from Loyola, but they've still got a great chance to beat the Ramblers. In fact, they were just talking to Jim Rome. If you're listening right before, talking about in more in a, a gambling sense, but still in terms of uh, this matchup between Oregon State and Loyola Chicago, as good as the Ramblers are, uh, they were saying by all means Oregon State uh, will will cover at least. Not that Oregon State just comes in trying to cover, but being uh, uh, underdogs by seven points, uh, expected to to do better than that. So that game coming up tomorrow, 11:40 a.m. And thank goodness we do have the airwaves right here on 12:40. We apologize for the technical issues. Doing a great job. Thanks to Matt and Jason and John for their work. Uh, we had some problems. I was here till like 12.30 in the morning on, what was that, Tuesday night, I think after the baseball broadcast. And it, luckily, we managed to get the games on the air through the entirety of the women's basketball game and then the baseball game that Tuesday night. Uh, but we were unable to have the Joe Beaver show Wednesday and yesterday, Thursday. But uh, did a good job, had it back and running. We were still able to have Fox Sports on the air, but we just could not switch to normal live programming and play commercials and all that. We're back today, which both for today's Joe Beaver show and the guests that I'll mention in just a moment, but also tomorrow having the men's basketball game right here on 1240. We would have still broadcasted it on one of our sister stations, 990 or 1340, but nice just to have it on the home of the Beavs, the station you're familiar with. And uh, we'll have baseball tomorrow on 990. So those games will overlap. You can hear Beaver Baseball, which is a a 1.30 start. John Warren is on his way right now. He's probably on I-5 up to Seattle. I think the team is already there uh, in Seattle ready for tomorrow's matchup. Or excuse me, today is Oregon State. uh, 4.30 airtime today, 5 o'clock first pitch for uh, the Beavs taking on the Huskies, and uh, that series continues tomorrow. So we'll play Oregon State baseball tonight on 1240 Joe Radio, tomorrow on 990, and then Sunday back on 1240 Joe Radio. I'm excited for this Sweet 16 matchup as Oregon State trying to make history. I was going through the roster today. Someone had had mentioned, I forget if it was on Twitter or in, in the Gazette Times, wherever it might be, Something about, you know, Jared Lucas has never lost a postseason game at Oregon State. And that's a good point. Hit the shot last year. Pac-12 tournament ended. No postseason beyond that. This season, win three Pac-12 games, win two NCAA tournament games. And then I thought, well, that's true of Jared Lucas, but that's not limited to him. What about Gianni Hunt? He's also a sophomore. What about De'Aaron Tucker? And then I thought, well, let's look at the roster and see everybody because there's a lot of transfers. And at least for having not lost a postseason game at Oregon State, sure, a guy could have played in a – you know, postseason game for a different team and transferred in, but not losing a postseason game at Oregon State. There are 13 guys on the roster at OSU for men's basketball. 11 of them have never lost in a postseason game. Now, there, there are reasons for that, as there are for all things. Yes, the Pac-12 tournament ended last year prematurely. What would have happened after that Utah win? Who knows? But hey, that's still six games for Jared Lucas and Gianni Hunt and the other players who've been in the program for two years and the the transfers who came in. They legitimately won three Pac-12 games this year, 
won two NCAA tournament games this year. So that's five postseason games this year and one last year. They won all six of those straight up and deserve to win all six. Sure, they could have had other reasons to uh, have that note changed if things were different because of COVID. But still, 6-0 and in the postseason. Oregon State uh, and underdogs in just about all of them and all, all of the postseason games this year and winning all of them straight up, which has been a lot of fun to see. Hey, we got Mike Parker coming up in just a minute. Here are the guests for the rest of the show. Uh, we did record these and planned on having them on the show prior days, but because of the no-show Wednesday and Thursday, full disclosure, I did already talk with each of these three student-athletes, or in one case, former student-athlete already. So they are in the can, per se. They are recorded, but good conversation, still relevant, kind of previewing the upcoming weekend, and actually not a lot of it more about each of their own story, coming to Oregon State and and what they're doing beyond sports, and just kind of some on-the-field, off-the-field stories can be pretty fun. Um, I think we'll start with Naya Buckner, who just has a tremendous story. We'll get more into the full backstory for Naya, but she's an Oregon State volleyball player, finally playing her first game experience for OSU this past weekend. So we kind of recap her whole story, coming to Oregon State, what led her to not play for a while, and then finally seeing the court. We'll talk with, uh, hear from that conversation from Naya. Hopefully later this hour, we'll see how long uh, I chat with Mike. And then in the second hour, we'll hear from Hassani Dotson, former Oregon State men's soccer player, who could be playing in the Olympics. He scored two goals for the USA uh, Olympic qualifying team. If they win their semifinal match, they will be on to the Olympics in Tokyo later this year. Hassani Dotson on that 20-man roster. And then also Frankie Hamoudi will close out the show with Frankie, Oregon State softball player. Had a couple home runs this past weekend against California. It was fun talking with her about playing against her sister who's on the roster at Cal. So a fun conversation with Frankie Hamoudi. So Naya Buckner, Hassani Dotson, Frankie Hamoudi all coming up on the show. And next up is Mike Parker. I'll get him, get him on the phone as we go to break. Thanks for tuning in to the Joe Beaver Show, everyone. I'm Josh Warden. You're listening to 1240 Joe Radio. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany or give me a call. For Auto Glass Solutions, better call glass man call 541-760-2277 call the glass man trump's hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools clubs and groups throughout the mid valley trump says the area's largest selection of radio control cars boats airplanes and helicopters plus drones plastic models model trains fantasy games collector cards and modeling tools parts paints and supplies whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it, drive it, fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Temper Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. You could be driving a Honda. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Honda Minute, where we talk Hondas. And no better to do that with than with our favorite Honda dealership in Corvallis, University Honda. University Honda Sales, are you calling about Honda's 0% financing event? Uh, no, but that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's great. For the first time ever, Honda is offering 0% finance deals on all of their trucks, vans, SUVs, and crossovers. Wow, 0%? That's like free money. Uh, I'm not sure you can technically say free money, because it is still a loan and you do have to qualify, but there is no interest charged, so yeah, it's pretty amazing. You can't say free money? That doesn't sound right. You, you, can't, you can't say free money. 
Yeah, I'm not sure you can technically call a 0% loan free money. Huh. Well, I guess maybe you can't call it free money, even though it sounds like it to me. But for that deal and others, head on over to University Honda on 9th Street in Corvallis or uhonda.com. And until next time, safe travels, my friends. Your locally owned and operated Oregon Qdoba Mexican Eats are happy to announce that their dining rooms are now back open from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily with limited contact carryout curbside pickup and third-party delivery options all available until midnight. So visit your closest Qdoba Mexican Eats or order online for lunch or dinner to enjoy a fast, handcrafted meal prepared with fresh ingredients and innovative flavors. For that late night craving use the qdoba app or order online at qdoba.com qdoba mexican eats made fresh always flavorful Twelve forty, joe radio welcome back to the joe beaver show everyone closing out the week on friday got mike parker on the line we've got conversations upcoming with naya buckner hassani dotson and frankie hamoudi a lot of action going on around uh, the weekend and uh, no one bigger than the Sweet 16 matchup, 11.40 Pacific time here tomorrow on Joe Radio. We got we got the frequency back up and running, got the Beaver Show, Joe Beaver Show on the air. We'll have Mike Parker on 12.40 tomorrow, which will be good to see. Thanks, Mike, for coming on the show. What has uh, the last couple of days looked like in Indianapolis for you and what you know of what the team has been up to? Josh, thanks for having me on. Uh, the biggest news, the best news I've heard is that the Joe Beaver Show in 1240 <laughs> is up and running again. I've been monitoring that from afar and have been a little distressed by it. Also, feeling a little less uh, bad, I guess, about not being there. <laughs> if the yeah. Joe, if I was going to miss a week, and that doesn't happen very often in the history of the Joe Beaver Show, this long road trip to Indianapolis has taken me out of the thing since last Wednesday, March 17th, when I arrived here. So it's been a long stay, but I, I feel a little less bad about missing shows that didn't exist the last couple of days. But I'm glad you're up and running today to get ready for a huge event tomorrow. When you ask about, you know, what's it like being back here? Well, every day is sort of like the day before and the day before that in terms of my lack of involvement with the team. I'm talking to different team members. I've talked to Coach Tinkle a couple of times just off the air during the week. I thought he did a great job, by the way, on the Jim Rome show. I've had a chance, Josh, to listen. I didn't get to hear it live. I don't know if you have, but I thought that was one of the more enlightening and better interviews that I've ever heard with Wayne, and I thought Romy did a great job. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard a, at least a snippet of it, and that was pretty cool. Obviously, Rome and his crew had done their research, knew the the part about Wayne, you know, being at Loyola, being in Chicago, and so that that was a pretty fun way to get that both for us Beaver fans and also mm-hmm. for the nation to kind of see the the connection there. Yeah, it was good, and and it's the type of thing that you know, I on a certain level, I would have a, a certain, you know, chagrin. Well, well, why haven't you guys covered that? How come you didn't know about the Loyola-Chicago connection? And there's some truth, and perhaps we should have been a little bit more up to speed on all matters Tinkle, including the Tinkle sisters. And when I talk about the Tinkle sisters in this case, I'm not talking about Ellie and Jocelyn. I'm talking about Wayne's actual sisters that he also invoked with all of the love that rightly is accorded to the beautiful soul that is Sister Jean for Loyola, Chicago. Wayne, in one of his Zoom calls, as you probably heard with the media, said, well, I love Sister Jean, but I have seven sisters as well, one of whom is passed. But he enumerated 
his sisters and his wife, which I thought was a sweet touch on Wayne's part. So we're learning a lot of different things about Wayne, but part of the reason is twofold. One, the August circumstances the Beavers find themselves in, the Sweet 16, and the team they're playing. These stories, you know, had it been someone else, had it been top-seeded Illinois, Wayne might have invoked his days growing up in Chicago, but we wouldn't have the same personal touch as Wayne has provided by saying that he grew up visiting his father, Wayne Sr., the dean of students at Loyola in the mornings on days that his dad was planning on playing hooky and you know taking Wayne to Wrigley Field for an afternoon game. So Wayne would shoot around in the gyms and hang out until dad was ready to leave for work. They'd get on the L and go to Wrigley. That just, that just sounded so awesome, Josh, to hear those kinds of stories and hear that that was part of Wayne's life. But had we not played Loyola, we probably wouldn't have heard of any of that. And still, it would be something we were to discover maybe down the road somewhere. So it's fun to be learning things about people you feel you know pretty well. But obviously, this storyline has led to a lot of different kinds of storylines and doors opening to all of us, even in Beaver Nation, who've been around him for quite a while. Yeah, that that has been fun to hear, and and you know Wayne's been so many places. I feel like there's there's probably still multiple dozen of those types of stories that yeah. you know we wouldn't uncover until they play some non-conference team. Oh well, you know I I used to live there. I got a breath, you know, like some some story. Yeah. And I, I hope we continue to uh, uncover those and and find that sort of stuff out because Wayne is an an eclectic guy himself. Um, I, I was listening to a conversation yesterday. Trace and and Ellie were talking. They're they're there in Indianapolis with Jocelyn as well, and they were talking about a tradition they've started. Uh, they, what do they call it? Game day miles. They they go on a run together in the morning of game day, and then they they uh, do some some pregame imbibing, get a burger, whatever it may be, at what they called the Beaver Saloon. I think was the name of it. I want to say you or some <laughs> other media member tweeted a photo of it. It's not related to Oregon State, but it may as well be with all the the Beaver paraphernalia. <laughs> Have you seen this personally? Been there? Yes, I've actually. I did tweet about it. You know, on the way to the first game with Tennessee, I saw it on my walk from my hotel to Banker's Life. Fieldhouse, where the Beavers will be again tomorrow, in this amazing five-block core downtown section that is all wrapped up in and around the NCAA tournament, just signs everywhere, and all of the restaurants and establishments have Final Four brackets posted outside and inviting people in. And during the weekend, last weekend, I'm grateful to have another weekend here. These places were hopping, Josh. They, I think the the establishments were doing the best possible job they could to keep the patrons socially distant from one another but the wild beaver saloon crossed the line there's no no question about it because i took a picture on the way to the game and i thought well that was good luck i'll come back by after the game and behold the tinkles were in there and there were other citizens of beaver nation in there celebrating the win over tennessee so they have the tinkles have developed some traditions here they didn't stay. They went home. In fact, I texted with Lisa a little bit this morning. She and Ellie and Jocelyn were on a plane. No, she and Trace and Jocelyn were on the tarmac as we were texting earlier, and they were getting ready to fly back out here. Ellie has a shift, bless her heart, as a nurse, and is working until late tonight. She'll take a red eye. But the Tinkle family will be in full force and in play. But, yeah, the Wild Beaver Saloon is the name of the place, and 
because of its name, Beaver Nation seems to have gravitated to that. I remember you saying at the Pac-12 tournament you could hear the Tinkle Sisters. Now, you were back in Corvallis. Yes. You could hear them through through the monitor. <laughs> now, being in person, is that even more so? Are they across the way from you? What's your vantage point? They are across the way, and I don't hear them. But I will tell you, as fun as it was to hear them calling the games remotely from the Beaver Sports Property Suite, at Reeser Stadium during the Pac-12 tournament. It almost seems like a different lifetime ago now (laughs) when they won those three games. I don't know who wrote it. John Wilner wrote it, and he wrote it well. Jules Bernard was fouled late with three seconds to go, and it was kind of a ticky-tack foul. If he makes both of those, the Beavers probably lose to UCLA. He only made one of two. It went overtime, and the Beavers win. And Wilner said that's how fine of a line so many of these destinies and things can ride on. You know, you could go back over play after play in that game and come up with different scenarios, but in the final three seconds, Bernard made one of two, not both, and the Beavers didn't have to hit a shot with three seconds to play to beat UCLA and advance in the Pac-12 tournament. So here they are, Sweet 16, and and I think a real shot to, to move into the Elite Eight. But the the upshot of that is listening in the headset, calling games from Reeser, I could hear, I, I could hear Jocelyn in particular. Seems to have the, the most fervent, loudest voice coming from the family. I could hear her a couple of different times. And while I can't hear her, I didn't hear her either in Banker's Life or Hinkle Fieldhouse. I could see them carrying on, and that's even better. <laughs> That'll be fun to see tomorrow. I'm Josh Warden. Mike Parker joining me from Indianapolis. The Beavers play tomorrow at 1140. Mike, I'm sure whatever familiarity you had with Loyola Chicago a week ago, it has grown by leaps and bounds in the past week as you study and ask questions and talk with Jeff Hagedorn, the play-by-play broadcaster. Mm -hmm. We had on the radio. Thanks for setting that up. It was good to talk with him. Um, As far as what you've learned from Loyola Chicago, they've got a great big man, Cameron Crutwig, who, you know, the team in general shoots over 50% from the floor. He's almost at 60%, leads the team in points and rebounding, Mm -hmm. nearly leads them in assists. Um, Lucas Williamson behind him. Offensively, Cameron Crutwig leads the team in scoring, has attempted zero three-point field goal attempts this season. Uh, what type of team offensively is Loyola Chicago? Well, you know, in that respect, Crutwig's been compared as a passer to Arvidas Sabonis. Wayne Finkel mentioned it, and it's true. He can get the ball through. I've seen you know clips, and even here in the tournament, getting the ball through some amazingly tight windows as kind of a point center and bounce passes, very adept passes, accurate vision, but he doesn't step out like Arvidas did. Arvidas loved to take threes, and he could hit them. But that's not Crutwig's game. He'll play in kind of the in the middle at the high elbow area. And as Wayne has said, as they did with Cade Cunningham when he talked to Romy about this, the plan on Cunningham, and Cade had a good game, but the Beavers made life uncomfortable for him, and they've made life uncomfortable for the first two teams they played with their plan on defense and their execution of their defense. And it'll be five guys. You know, you can't completely focus on Crutwig because he is adept at hitting open cutters, and, and if you spend too much time focusing on him, he can get the ball to other people, and they have a great shooter in Keith Clemens who's red hot, Clemens is a name just to look out for because if he's hot early, then you know you've got to, he's shot fifty three percent 
from three-point range the last 19 games. So as much as we're focused on the greatness of Lucas Williamson as a defensive player, the Missouri Valley Conference Defensive Player of the Year and a relentless worker on the defensive end, and the big man, Krutwig, 6'9", 255, who uh, last year became the first Missouri Valley player ever in the top five in points, rebounds, and assists. He's got a complete game and is difficult to deal with. Keith Clemens is a shooter, is another guy that the Beavers are going to have to be aware of. And if they focus too much on Crutwick, then a guy like Clemens and a guy like Williamson, a 37% shooter, can do some damage. So, you know, I like where the Beavers are defensively in in the victory over number one seed Illinois. Loyola Chicago pretty much got to run its stuff, and Illinois, I think, must have felt that, well, we're Illinois, we're the top seed, and we'll, our athletes, our players will just outplay them and beat them and they really didn't make a, many schematic adjustments or do anything differently kind of played them straight up and you would expect the talent if you're a one seed to carry you through that it didn't and so i suspect that wayne and his staff will have a variety of plans and defenses to deal with the best shooting team in the missouri valley conference for four consecutive years it's a complete team, a disciplined, well-coached team, the best team that the Beavers will have played here in the tournament with no disrespect to Tennessee and Oklahoma State. They had great players and maybe, quote, greater talent, unquote, but they by no means are a better team than the, the, either one than the Beavers are about to play. Loyola Chicago averaging 16 more points per game than their opponents of their 30 games. They've won 26 of them. Part of the reason I mentioned Lucas Williamson in that in that question, I, I read an article this morning. It was in the Associated Press. Uh, Lucas Scretta, or excuse me, Dave Scretta wrote an article that had a reference to Lucas Williamson. The the short end of the article was or the headline: the NCAA tournament proof of narrowing talent gap in college hoops. And he he drew this comparison, this connection from uh, Whitney Young Magnet High School, which I'm wondering if that's the wasn't in Ahmad Starks, now that I think of it, go to that same one. I'll check that. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. I just thought of that right now. So Whitney Young Magnet High School, Jaleel Okafor was playing at the same time as Lucas Williamson. Okafor went on to be a one-and-done player, third overall pick six years ago. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, Lucas Williamson still plays in college and he was on the same high school team as Jaleel Okafor? But (laughs) he is. That's how it worked out. One-and-done compared to four-year college player and he's younger, all that. So Lucas Williamson now being a senior at Loyola Chicago. And the the crux of the article was trying to compare, okay, you've got the big-time recruits like Jaleel Okafor. We've always had that. But now you've got the Lucas Williamsons of the world. Now you've got so many players that there's enough talent to go around. And therefore, teams like Loyola Chicago could make more runs, as we're seeing it this year with a team like that, Nora Roberts and other double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16. I know this transcends just this matchup tomorrow and this season even, but I'm curious your thoughts, Mike, on... Will we see more of this? Will there be more upsets and more teams lasting longer into the tournament like Loyola Chicago? I think it's possible, Josh, because the I think the plan, it, with a lot of different issues coming and 
with the opportunities, you know, we may not see a lot of the elite talent in the near future. They might decide the G League and the opportunities available there. They might decide to jump. There are a lot of players. Cade Cunningham's one of them that chose to stay at Oklahoma State when there were all sorts of allurements to, to not play at that level. So I know you're talking about mid-majors perhaps in Loyola, Chicago, and other programs. But here you're right about Lucas Williamson. He's a veteran player who's been in the program a long time. And I have a feeling that the programs going forward that have a chance to, to really get good will be the, the programs that may take somebody like Lucas not nearly as highly recorded, uh, recruited as Okafor, and just teach him, develop him, play him, and keep playing and get better and better through four or five years in a system. So I think we may see the successful programs be the developmental ones that find players that aren't necessarily going to jump at the first opportunity to go pro or the transfer portal, but really like the fit and like the idea of settling in you know, for a three- or four-year run like Williamson has, and he's become a great player at the at the Missouri Valley Conference level and a great player at any level now. So, yeah, I think across the board we'll see more players like him, and that includes at Oregon State as Wayne continues to build his team. Always looking to the portal, and the portal has been very good to the Beavers with what Marcus Kalu has done, even what Tariq Silver and giving them two huge buckets you know, and, and Rodriguez Andela. I mean, these guys have been vitally important to what the Beavers are doing, and I just really appreciate what Wayne and the staff found in some of these guys who were unknown uh, entities before the year, and the more they keep playing and winning, the more everybody knows who they are. Yeah, Oregon State taking on Loyola Chicago tomorrow. Mike Parker joining me has the call starting 11 o'clock pregame, 11.40 tip. Uh, by the way, is that, are we sure, 11.40? Will this, I think it's the first game of the yes. day, so they probably won't slide that. It is the first game, no slide, 11.40 Pacific, 2.40. Still, even after nine days here, still weird for me to, to adjust to the Eastern time zone. I almost feel like I... It's an odd thing, Josh. I feel like I'm cheating all of you back home. I'm getting an extra three hours than you guys are. And that's not quite the case, but that's what it feels like, kind of. Uh, I'm curious, from Loyola's perspective, I was reading an article, Loyola Chicago does not have a football program. They have not had one for 91 years. Back in 1930, Loyola Chicago dropped their football program, and the reason just made me laugh they thought the administration are busy. please try your call again later oh. announcement i think i lost mike there for a second well that's weird okay well we'll get mike on in just uh in just a moment i think he'll call back something happened with the <laughs> with the the phone connection there but i was reading an article on loyola chicago and a lot of jesuit universities at the time decided to focus on basketball. I mean, the, the situation was a lot different back then. You didn't quite have the the same, uh, you know, bas the, the financial ramifications of football that you do now. And so a lot of, a lot of programs focused on basketball. And Loyola was one of the teams that dropped their, their football program and, 
and uh, decided to focus on on basketball. The reason that they dropped football, they thought it was too much of a quote celebrity sport, <laughs> and so they they thought other programs were more extracurricular activities. And uh, so they kept basketball. That's the sort of thing. I mean, I think basketball is huge there. The culture around it. I wish there were fans allowed uh, in the basketball arena there more than there are already. Just to see, even though that would benefit Loyola Chicago, just to see the atmosphere, to see the the fervor around the Ramblers program, and to see more Oregon State fans go out. Because, you know, Sweet 16, a lot of Beaver fans will get out there more than there already are, and still some... I will be there in attendance. Um, looks like we've lost Mike. That's all right. We'll reconnect um, or, or come back after the break. And I think we'll start getting to the interviews that I've done with a few other players. We'll start with Naya Buckner. I'll give you kind of her backstory um, in just a moment. We'll come back uh, to close out this hour with Naya Buckner. You're listening to The Joe Beaver Show. I'm Josh Warden. This is 1240 Joe Radio. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley. Trump says the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. From Zombies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. It's hard to find something for everyone except at Woodstock's Pizza. Woodstock's Pizza has pizza for all, starting with your choice of four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free. Then choose from six different sauces, including vegan and dairy-free, plus your choice of over 35 fresh toppings. Then choose pickup or delivery. Notice how I keep saying choose and choice? That's because Woodstock's Pizza really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza on King's Boulevard in Corvallis. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, The Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill and we have more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for cash for campers. I'm Paul. Uh, We've been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com. That's RV, the number four, me, to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. 
See Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team. Always putting you first. 1240. 1240. 1240. 1240. Joe Radio. Thanks for tuning in to the Joe Beaver Show. We'll do a real quick segment here. Uh, take one last break and finish the hour with Naya Buckner. To give you just a little update uh, on Naya's situation and just her story and why I've been looking to get her on the show for a while. Some chance where you know, I was hosting the show and wanted to talk with her or just line her up and have Mike and John talk with her because just a fantastic story. Not only what she's done off the court with some uh, you know, initiatives that she's helped with the Student Athlete Advisory Council and a couple other organizations, which is just great in its own right, but also her own athletic story. Now, Naya Buckner comes from Arizona, although even that is only a, a part of the story. Her father, an NFL player, Brenson Buckner, played defensive line for a number of teams, including the Panthers, the Cardinals. He's now a coach in the NFL, his coach with the Raiders, and now the Cardinals. So she grew up partly in Carolina, partly in Arizona, moved around a little bit, went to high school in Arizona, didn't play volleyball uh, until late. We'll get into that in the conversation. But here's the story at OSU and the reason why I wanted to get her on the show. She came to Oregon State three years ago, came in during the 2018 season, redshirted that year, comes back and ready to play in 2019, but gets hurt. Uh, Basically, her Achilles injury, out for the year. Okay, well, still just one year, but now she spent two years in the program and has never played in a game. Comes back this year, and the season gets delayed by COVID, so are we going to play or we're not going to play? I don't know. She spends the whole time mostly down in Arizona working out. Comes back, and okay, there is going to be a season. We're starting basically in the winter, and so she's ready to play. They have one exhibition game before their Pac-12 opener, Nia Buckner plays in that game. They play Oregon, finish it out. All right, all is good. They're set to go to Colorado for the first uh, match of the season. This will be Nia Buckner's first career game, having been in the program now for her third year. And in practice, the day before the season opener, she gets hurt again and is out for almost the whole year. So her third straight year not playing Even in that point, uh, the whole coaching staff, the program knew she probably would be back. She wouldn't miss the whole year, but it would take most of the season. And that indeed was the case. She recovered well, worked hard at rehab, and has finally made her return. In fact, her career debut was this past week. She saw the floor both matches against Oregon. And so that's when I said, okay, I want to get her on and just chat about that long, winding experience of not playing, not playing, not playing, and then you played. Let's talk about that. And still plenty of room to grow. I mean, she's got a long career ahead of her, and hopefully this will just be the first weekend of a lot of time in the Pac-12 playing for Oregon State for Nia Buckner. Great person, really fun conversation. Uh, We'll get to that when we come back with Nia Buckner coming out to close the hour. This is the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. 
If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill, and we have more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for cash for campers. I'm Paul. Uh, We've been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com. That's RV, the number four, me, to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. Wake up and text. Thanks for joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. We've got a fun guest lined up. A lot of sports going on uh, to cover and volleyball right in the midst of their transplanted schedule normally in the fall. But we are joined now on the show by Naya Buckner, recently making her debut for the Oregon State volleyball team. It's been a long time coming, Naya, and we've finally seen you out there on the court. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for, for coming on. It was a lot of fun to see you play against Oregon. I'll ask about what that was like and finally seeing the court, but I'm going to ask it at the end of our conversation because I want to I lead up to it. I want to go through all the story, and it'll mean a lot more uh, once we kind of rehash all the moments that led up to this. And, and we'll go all the way to the beginning. First of all, you have an interesting sports background with your dad being NFL, NFL coach, all that. You, you kind of are from Arizona, but you're born in South Carolina because your dad at the time was playing for the for the Panthers. Can you take me through the different stops? Were you, were you always moving around with him? He played for Pittsburgh for a while in Arizona and then coached with the Raiders and the Cardinals. So tell me about the different places you went in your childhood and how, how long you stayed in each of those places. Okay, well, luckily for me, by the time I was born, my dad had established a pretty stable career with the Panthers. So I was born in South Carolina, grew up there for about three years, and then we made the move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's where I spent the majority of my life until the summer before my freshman year of high school, which is when we moved to Arizona because my dad got a coaching job. And then at that point, me and my siblings were all kind of old enough where my parents didn't really want to keep moving us around that much. So when my dad went to Tampa and when he went to the Raiders, he kind of just stayed in Arizona. And then God happened to make sure that my dad came back to Arizona. So we're all back in Arizona together now. So Brenson Buckner, your dad moving around, playing a lot, and now coaching with the Cardinals. So once you kind of grew up with, with that scenario moving on a little bit, not as much as it could have been, all, all things considered, where did volleyball come into play um, with, with I'm sure, maybe you tried a few different sports and football, I'm sure watching all that, where did volleyball come into play for you? Volleyball came when I moved to Arizona because I was 
going into high school as a freshman, everyone's nervous, you know, huge school, like supposed to be this great, fun four years of your life, but I didn't know anyone going in. So I was basically like, I need to find a way to make friends. And it just so happened that volleyball tryouts were the first week of school. So I just decided to go out there, you know, give her my best, meet the new girls, and here we are, 40 years later, I guess. <laughs> and was was it easy at first? I mean, did did it work to make the friends, and then maybe you started to realize, oh, I'm really I'm really good at this game. I mean, how did that transition kind of go for you? Oh yeah, totally. At first, to be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just out there trying to meet people, trying to have fun, and then. Maybe, like, halfway through the season, the varsity coach for my school was like, hey, like, you have potential. Like, this could be big for you. Like, you can go to college and play in college, get a scholarship. And that's when, of course, my dad sat me down and was like, hey, if you want to go after this, like, let's go after it. Like, let's make it happen. Yeah, and how old were you exactly when you when you started to play, just to kind of get familiarized? At what age were you at that point? I was 14. 14, wow. Pretty late start uh, coming and playing volleyball. So do you feel now that you're still kind of only, I don't know, prime isn't the right word, but that you've got so much potential because you've only had, you know, four years or, you know, whatever it is through high school and now a couple of years in college. Do you feel like you're just coming into your own as a volleyball player? Oh, yeah. I definitely feel like I haven't reached my peak yet as a player just because I did start so late and I kind of always feel like I'm playing catch up. And honestly, the sky's the limit in the sport, no matter like when you start. But I really feel like I have a lot more years left in me to play if I really wanted to. So you come to Oregon State, uh, come to Corvallis in the the summer 2018. Um, you redshirted that year. Now, was that season just a typical, hey, you know, come in and, and redshirt and, and learn, you know, get through the practices, we got enough players? Were you healthy that year in 2018, just redshirted to get more experience, or did you have to redshirt due to some injuries in that first year? In that first year, the redshirt was just a standard redshirt, just going to come in, learn the ropes, you know, get some experience. Um, I was going to be playing behind Haley Bennett, who is now over in Paris playing professionally, and she's an amazing player. And so me and my coach decided it's not really worth it to waste a year of eligibility if I maybe saw the court once or twice. And so we decided it would just be best for me to take a redshirt year. Nia Buckner joining us from uh, the OSU volleyball program. Now, 2019 would have been kind of your first year. Haley was still in the program, but it was her last year in 20, turned out to be her last year. I think it was her junior season, but 2019, so your redshirt freshman year. So you could have been playing that year, but in spring practice, you get hurt. Um, take me through kind of that timeline of realizing, oh, I thought I was going to play in the 2019 season, but now I'm not. How did you handle that, you know, both as an athlete, but as a person? Take me through that season. Mm-hmm. That one was really tough for me because, like you said, I had these plans of, like, being able to play and, like, travel and all that stuff. But then, and then the injury, I ruptured my keys, and it was just such a freak accident, like, just random, out of the blue, at the end of a practice one day, just 
completely random. So that part was really tough for me to come to terms with. But, um, you know, you kind of just have to roll with the punches. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take my time coming back. It's a six-month recovery period. You know, I'm just going to keep working, get strong, rehab. There's really nothing I can do about it now. But, you know, um, just really pushing to come back after that. So since that was in spring, you didn't quite make it back in time for that fall season in 2019, but I'm sure the plan was, all right, come back 2020, I'll be ready to go. Still got, you know, plenty mm-hmm. of years ahead of me. Then you get you get the whole COVID thing and, oh, we're not going to have a season. Maybe we'll have it in the spring. We don't really know. And then it was, okay, we are going to play. It's just in the kind of the winter and spring of 2021. And so, okay, now now I'm going to make my debut. It's been two years. You're going to play. And you even played in the exhibition, played Oregon uh, against the Ducks. And you <laughs> wore the jersey and played and then you got your season open against Colorado, and I think it was literally the day before practice you get hurt again, just heartbreaking. Uh, take me through another, I don't know, freak accident, whatever it was, the day before Colorado and just how difficult I'm sure that must have been too. Yes, that one was heartbreaking because it was the closest I had ever gotten to actually playing in a college game. And like you said, another kind of just weird chance incident where I ended up spraining my PCL. And so I could have played, but, you know, the risk factor there of tearing the PCL and then damaging something else in your knee is just really not a risk that me and my athletic trainer were willing to make. And so, you know, I, I cried a lot that day and that weekend realizing that the dream that I had wasn't wasn't gone, but was going to be delayed a little bit more. But I'm a firm believer in that everything happens for a reason. And so, you know, just got back in the training room, back to rehabbing, back to strengthening and on the road to recovery again. <laughs> but, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. Yeah, when I was talking with Coach Barnard about – the team and you know talked to him several times this season and every time he would say you know whenever Naya's going to come back she's going to come back as soon as she's can as soon as she can she does everything nutrition wise rehab wise like she will play she's not going to wait around like like she'll be smart about it but she is raring to go chomping at the bit and so finally you know you're getting ready you you pro- you know you, you want to make sure that you're not jumping too early back into it um, the weeks go by and you kind of pegged partway through the season. It finally happens, right? You're playing Oregon and all right, this is the week you're cleared to play. Let's go. Let's do it. And you do play in both those games against Oregon. So considering everything we've just talked about, all the everything happens for a reason, but this is delayed and oh my gosh, I can't play and hurt again until finally you're on the court and you're playing for Oregon State, not an exhibition and just an actual game what what was that feeling like? Did you have to take a moment and kind of pause and, okay, I'm finally here. Um, take me through kind of what that felt like to play this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of surreal. I mean, I've been putting in so much work for so long, and it kind of felt like it was leading nowhere just because of all the injuries and dead ends and COVID and stuff like that. But to kind of finally be in the moment and be on the court, it was just, I mean, it was priceless. And 
I know because I've been watching it for so long from the side from the sidelines and just finally be able to play like an active part in the game that was just all I had ever wanted and you know it kind of made me nervous I mean at this point it had been two three years since I last played in the game like senior year of high school so it had just been so long and I was kind of nervous and excited and it was just a bunch of emotions all over the place yeah it'll be a lot of fun to watch you the rest of this season um I think we'll do you got two weekends left a road weekend and then you've got Utah at home a tough one to end in one of the best teams in the conference but uh, I'll be there doing the stream play-by-play alongside your teammate Maddie going so unfortunately something you're well familiar with an injury holding her out for the remainder (laughs) of the year but good for her to come back next year she and Grace Massey have both made the decision to come back and use that extra year of eligibility so that's that'll be really fun to see and for plenty of years ahead of you to continue playing at OSU. Uh, last thing or two for you, Naya. Thanks so much for, for joining us on the show, by the way. When you look back at those moments and you kind of talked about, you know, everything happens for a reason and, and maybe it, it taught you things or made you a different person than you otherwise would have been. Had you just played like normal, had a typical career, you know, all that sort of thing. Can you elaborate on maybe something you learned through that process, how it improved you, strengthened you in such a way that maybe you wouldn't have dealt with had you just been healthy the whole time? Has that occurred to you? Or maybe more mm-hmm. down the road for sure, but have you already seen that come into play a little bit? Oh, definitely. I feel like going through what I've gone through, it's definitely made me a stronger person, but also a more well-rounded person because – up until coming to college and from my freshman year until I graduated, I had been all about volleyball, all about working out, about, you know, getting better, honing my skills on the court. But when you can't do that and that's kind of taken away, you kind of have to sit back and be like, well, what do I do now? So I got super involved with sacks through the athletic department, um, starting damn change and just finding things outside of my sport that I'm passionate about. Um, and to make real change outside of sports. That's the biggest thing that I've taken away from my injuries. Yeah, that that was awesome to see, because at some point or another, your athletic career will come to an end. Sometimes it happens prematurely, or, or there's a break in your athletic career. You'll play later, but you're not an athlete right now, and what you do through the you know SAAC or the – um, you know, with the the Black Lives Matter protests, I remember reading a few articles with you in there and, you know, damn change like you talked about, just some awesome stuff that you've been able to do uh, off the court, which is really cool. Um, last thing for you, Naya, Naya, joined by Naya Buckner here on the Joe Beaver Show. I remember there was sort of a quarantine Q&A that Oregon State had done with you, just a few questions as, as we didn't know, are we playing again at all? What's going to happen And one of the things uh, you said you had been doing during that 2020 COVID time was yoga, meditation, and self-reflection. And if you're, if you, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, public or whatever you want to talk about, if you don't mind, what are the things, the the self-reflection, the the meditation, what does that bring to your life? Um, If that's, you know, a big part of, of what you did and. Um, still do perhaps what a, what does that look like in your life mm-hmm. um now just because the world is so crazy and it kind of seems like 
you have no control over what's going on, I think it's really valuable to kind of just like sit and reflect on what you can control and kind of like control the amount of anxiety you have. Because sometimes I get very anxious. So I kind of just, in the morning, I sit and I say affirmations to myself. So I am strong, I'm prepared, like I'm capable. And that kind of just helps calm my mind and helps me get ready for the day. And then yoga, you know, as a high-performing athlete, you put your body through so much that sometimes you just need to give your body a rest, a break, a nice little stretch. And that's the stage for your relationship. One with yourself is it sets the stage for your relationships and your interactions with other people. Well, Naya, thanks so much for your time here on the Joe Beaver Show. Looking forward to uh, seeing the team finish out play this uh, last couple weekends just for everyone watching the home game against Utah to close out this upcoming week down in Los Angeles against UCLA. So good luck in those last couple matches. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right, there was Naya Buckner. I talked with her earlier this week, and they do play UCLA starting today and Utah uh, next weekend to close out the season. Thanks to Naya for joining me on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm Josh Warden. We'll come back next hour. You can call in. Call in during the break, 541-497-5356, or text that same number. I'll share your text. Next hour, joined by Hassani Dotson on the USA Olympic qualifying roster. Also, Frankie Hamoudi from Oregon State Softball. One hour to go here in this Friday edition, the Joe Beaver Show. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. More than a year after coronavirus shut down offices worldwide, most workers now say they actually prefer the work-from-home grind and would like to maintain at least a hybrid schedule in the post-pandemic world. According to a new Harvard Business School survey, 61% would like a hybrid schedule, while 27% want to work remotely full-time. Only 18% want to go back to the office full-time. U.S. stocks are narrowly mixed today. The S&P 500 up 10 points. The Dow Industrial is up 87, but the tech-heavy Nasdaq is down 96 points. U.S. oil prices rebounded today up 4.2%. How are your seasonal allergies? Thanks in part to climate change. It's a couple of degrees warmer than it was 50 years ago, which has meant a longer pollen season. Allergies have gotten worse for a lot of people. The most challenging metro areas for allergy sufferers, according to a new study, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Richmond, Virginia, Wichita, Kansas, McAllen, Texas, and Pittsburgh. That's your money now. If I'm not commuting anymore, where do I really want to live? While you handle life's questions, Merrill Guided Investing helps you manage your portfolio and invest for your next move with the option to work with an advisor at a low cost and minimum. Merrill, a Bank of America company. Visit MerrillEdge.com slash investing goals to get started today. Investing involves risk. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith Incorporated, both a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member SIPC. Investment products are not FDIC-insured or not bank-guaranteed and may lose value. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment 
are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash If you're ready to make the great escape, do it with the number one brand on the water. Yamaha Wave Runners are the most premium personal watercraft on the market with industry-first features and exciting new products like the new 2021 VX Series with audio packages, the much-anticipated Superjet, and the new race-ready GP Series. This is Wave Runner Country. Get your new Wave Runner from Power Motorsports during the spring watercraft sale and open house online at powermotorsports.com. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Hi, I'm Matt Vaskirjan with another little-known legend of sports. There's a long tradition of U.S. presidents throwing out the first pitch to start the Major League Baseball season, but did you know that the first time it happened, the event was totally unplanned? Back in 1910, President William Howard Taft was at Washington's Griffith Stadium for the season opener between the Senators and the A's. As Washington's Walter Johnson prepared to deliver the first pitch, home plate umpire Billy Evans spotted President Taft in a box behind the Senators' dugout and decided to invite him to throw out a ceremonial first pitch instead. Taft happily accepted and a baseball tradition was born. Incidentally, later in the game, the A's Frank home run Baker fouled off a ball that whizzed into the stands and knocked out a man seated next to Taft named James Sherman. If the name doesn't ring a bell, check your history books because James Sherman happened to be the vice president of the United States. With today's little-known legend of sports, I'm Matt Vaskirjian. You heard that safe drivers get rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw an ad for a vintage baseball cap, and now you find yourself checking the stats of that team's second baseman in 97, wondering why his stolen base total dropped after his rookie season. Wonder how much his rookie card is worth. Yes, they said it was easy to save money with Snapshot from Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. What's in store this week at Staples? A big deal on ink. That's kind of a big deal. Staples has the technology, furniture, and supplies you need for a totally productive workspace. And right now, you can earn 40% back in Staples rewards when you purchase any two ink or toner cartridges. Shop in-store or get same-day delivery powered by Instacart. Ends 3-27-21. Limit four in-store and on Instacart only. Visit staplesconnect.com slash ink rewards for details. Instacart delivery subject to availability. Additional fees may apply. <coughs> testing, testing, one, two, three, four. In these contentious times... Sir, you've asked a simple-minded question. I will give you an equally simple-minded answer. We invite you to escape for the next couple of hours into the world of the Joe Beaver Show. 
with your hosts, John Warren and Mike Parker, and occasionally, Doug Blair. All right, men, we're not here to sell lemonade. We're here to practice. No one breaks it down any better. Old Indian game. It's called, uh, put the ball in the hole. Uh, what are these little arrows? Let Joe Beaver be your guide into the bold new world of technology. Uh, radio. That's going to break down a lot of walls. Yes. The door is wide open. Recreation time, gentlemen. So come on in. Be a part of the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the Beavers, 1240 Joe Radio. Mike Parker, John Warren, occasionally Doug Blair, and today Josh Warden. Hi again, everybody. One hour to go on this week of supplanted, moved around, crazy, hectic Joe Beaver shows. Myself and John earlier in the week. No show yesterday and the day before with some technical problems, but we're all good. We're back on the air. We're good to go, and we should be good for the weekend. Not that many overlaps uh, this weekend in terms of shifting games around. Unfortunately, the women's basketball season coming to an end uh, on Tuesday. Uh, still a great season. And to see the things that they did, I really felt that if they just hadn't run into South Carolina that early, they could have made a long run. They could they could have beaten just about anyone in the tournament. And, and even South Carolina on the right day could have had a, could have had a, a win over them. But you know, Oregon State women's basketball, still a great season, comes to a close in the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. The men's team playing tomorrow, trying to reach the Elite Eight. Just kind of an update on some of the other sports going on around Oregon State. Uh, we talked about volleyball just a moment ago with Nia Buckner and the Beavs heading down to Los Angeles. They take on the Bruins starting tonight. Oregon State baseball right here on the airwaves. John Warren, who's driving up to Seattle, still on the way. And uh, he'll be on the pregame show starting 4.30. First pitch against the Huskies at 5 o'clock with Washington on a four-game slide. The Beavers splitting that pair against uh, Santa Clara uh, yesterday and or excuse me Tuesday Wednesday Oregon State softball heads to Arizona to Tucson take on the number nine Wildcats for a series starting today uh, we'll talk with Frankie Hamoudi towards the end of this hour to kind of recap the California series and some fun storylines for Oregon State's first baseman also congratulations to Maddie Dagan receiving WCGA regular season All-American honors so Maddie Dagan uh, getting honored for Oregon State Gymnastics. Also, men's soccer. Uh, Joel Walker selected as a candidate for the Senior Class Award. Talked a lot about the Class Award last year. Gosh, was that two years ago? Michaela Pivik in her final year. All that drama of they left her out. How dare they? And they put her back on. And everybody vote for Michaela. And uh, this is the same award, but in this case for men's soccer, Joel Walker being the recipient, or at least a candidate, for that award. Unfortunately, men's soccer losing Wednesday to Washington, but the Beavers still with only two losses on the season. One of the, if not the, in my opinion, men's soccer is probably the best team in the conference. I think they are better than Washington. They did beat UW earlier this season, uh, tied them you know, overall, beat them 2 1 in one game, beat them, you know, lost to them 2 1 in the other. And then really outplayed Stanford for a pretty, pretty good chunk of that match before losing to the Cardinal. That's the only two losses on the year for Oregon State men's soccer. Although it was a disappointment for Wednesday, they will, I'm sure, still have a couple wins down the road and a great shot at making it back to 
the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2018. Speaking of men's soccer and that 2018 roster, Hassani Dotson being on the USA U23 roster. That's huge because we were supposed to have the Tokyo Olympics last year. Now, with Olympic soccer, it's not like the World Cup. It's not just the senior national team that goes to the Olympics. It's the U23 rosters. The Olympics, you cannot have players that are older than 23. There are, there are a, an exception to that. Each country can assign three players who are over the age of 23 to join the Olympic roster. But generally speaking, it's just a U23 tournament. Still factors into the World Cup. It kind of pre, you know, leads into that. And, and Team USA hoping to, to kind of parlay some Olympic qualifying success into the Olympics and parlay that into the, the next World Cup. But Team USA has not made the Olympics since Beijing 2008. Now, if USA makes the Olympics and goes to Tokyo this year, which they're one match away from doing, they'll extend a streak that every time Team USA has made the Olympics, uh, there's been an Oregon State player on the roster. Now, granted, it's only one year. They've only made the Olympics one year since 2000, one time. That was 2008. And it wasn't even a full player, but Robbie Finley was an alternate on that team in 2008. Uh, Robbie went on to to play in the World Cup, make a few appearances, and he used to play at Oregon State in the early 2000s. And so on the current qualifying roster is Hassani Dotson. Now, Oregon State, the former Oregon State player playing kind of midfield for Team USA is not a big goal scorer normally. He never had a two-goal performance in his Oregon State career or his professional career. He plays in the MLS for Minnesota. But in their uh, group seeding game uh, earlier this week, Hassani Dotson scored two goals against the Dominican Republic, helping Team USA advance and, and nearly, perhaps, make, uh, you know, if they win tomorrow or Sunday, they'll head to the Olympics for the first time since 2008. They have a, a match against Honduras. It's called a semifinal match, as though you win that and you go to the finals, which is true, but the way they set it up is that both teams that make the championship match in this Group A versus Group B uh, tournament, both teams that make the championship match will make the Olympics, regardless of what actually happens in the Olympic match. So really, it's the semifinal matches that matter way more, and then the championship match is somewhat meaningless because both teams are going to the Olympics. So it's these two semifinal matches where USA lost to Mexico but that one didn't really matter because both USA and Mexico were at the top of their group, so they were going to the semifinal anyways. They're just playing the opposite teams from the other group. So now here's the one that matters. It is Sunday. If USA wins this one, they go to the Olympics. They play Honduras on Sunday at 3 o'clock. Hassani Dotson, who started two out of those three qualifying matches this past week, the one he didn't start, he came in as a sub in the 62nd minute, I think it was, and that was the one where he scored two goals against the Dominican Republic. I talked with Hassani earlier this week, recorded that conversation on uh, Wednesday, I think it was, maybe it was Tuesday. Um, I, it was before their Mexico match. Hassani did start, play against Mexico, didn't score in that game, and, and USA ultimately lost one nil in a match that didn't really hurt them because, like I said, already going to that semifinal. So if they beat Honduras on Sunday, Hassani Dotson and the Americans will head to Tokyo 
uh, having qualified for the Olympics. And Hassani will very possibly get playing time. And they've slimmed down the roster to 20 people. He was on the original 31-man roster, and then they knew they were going to slim it down to 20, and he made that final 20-man roster. It's not necessarily set in stone. Things could change between now and when the Tokyo Olympics starts, but Hassani being 23 years old, uh, does qualify for that roster. He'll turn 24 in the Olympics, but the way they do it is any players who were eligible last year when the Olympics should have happened are still eligible this year, even if they turned 24 in that process. Um, and it may have helped. The, the Olympics being postponed may have helped Hassani getting a year older, right in the edge of now being 23 and, and get some more experience. He's really come into his own as a player and has been good get, been getting good playing time with head coach Jason Kreiss of that U23 matchup. So we'll take a break and then come back with Hassani Dotson and chat about what he's been able to do for the Stars and Stripes and potentially going to the Olympics, uh, having come from Oregon State, and Terry Boss, uh, who was his head coach and still the head coach now at Oregon State. Oh, Hassani Dotson coming up, Frankie Hamoudi later on in this hour. I'm Josh Warden. This is the Joe Beaver Show on your home of the Beavs, 1240 Joe Radio. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Your locally owned and operated Oregon Qdoba Mexican Eats are happy to announce that their dining rooms are now back open from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily with limited contact carryout curbside pickup and third-party delivery options all available until midnight. So visit your closest Qdoba Mexican Eats or order online for lunch or dinner to enjoy a fast handcrafted meal prepared with fresh ingredients and innovative flavors. For that late-night craving, use the Qdoba app or order online at Qdoba.com. Qdoba Mexican Eats, made fresh, always flavorful. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games, Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, the Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. Hey, Beaver fans. Over the past several months, we all have come together to help each other in this COVID struggle. But would you know how to help a family member or a co-worker in the time of an emergency? Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we teach people the skills to help someone in the time of an emergency. I am currently holding both virtual and in-person classes for CPR and first aid. For more information or to schedule a class, contact me at cpr-works.com. Go Beavs!
Middleton Heating has served the Mid-Valley for over 72 years and is still here to help you 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. AC causing you trouble? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. And don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at middletonheating.net for auto glass solutions better call the glass man call 541-760-2277 call the glass man hi this is jake the Glassman. come see me at my new location at 3335 ferry street southwest in albany or give me a call for auto glass solutions better call the glass man call 541 541- 760-2277 Call the glass man Thanks for joining me on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm Josh Warden. Let's get to this conversation with Hassani Dotson, former Oregon State uh, soccer player. A couple years removed from his OSU career. Has gone on to uh, play in the MLS. Plays for Minnesota. And now, most importantly, playing for the USA U23 team was called up in September of last year. And then just been on that roster ever since, basically, and continuing to get more and more run, more and more notoriety. And the Federal Way Washington native from Beamer High School um, potentially going on to the Olympics and will have played a pretty big role uh, in uh, helping Team USA get to that, that level. They play Honduras on Sunday. And uh, I'll play that conversation. Talk to Hassani right before that Mexico match on Wednesday. So when I talked to him, he had just come off his two-goal performance uh, against the Dominican Republic. So pretty big news and Hassani doing some amazing things. So uh, the the first question I asked him was just about that experience of coming on the pitch as a substitute, scoring two goals for uh, for Team USA, that U23 squad, and what that was like for the former Beaver. So here is uh, my conversation with Hassani Dotson. First off, I just try to help uh, my team win in any way I can, whether it's energy, defensive work, and I'm um, happy to contribute and assisting or scoring goals as well. Um, I think the mindset for me and Georgie who came on was to uh, – bring more energy and try to execute some of the details that uh, the coaching staff uh, told us at halftime. And the first one, Georgie just made a nice run, and he found me, and um, I took a touch, and I just slotted it into the corner. And then for the next play, I think Georgie and I kind of had just this understanding, and he played me a brilliant ball again, and I just was um, happy enough to finish off the second one as well. It was a lot of fun to see both matches, in fact, because you played well in both qualifying matches so far. You've got Mexico on Wednesday night and uh, and then a, a chance in the semifinals to qualify for the Olympics. You made the 20-man roster just two weeks ago. It was kind of slimmed down to that that somewhat final. I mean, there's still changes possibly, but you're in the, that qualifying roster. When you got that notice, hey, you're on the 20-man roster, you'll be in these qualifying games, a big chance to go play in the Olympics. Uh, what was that like to hear that news and realize you may be going to Tokyo if things play out well? 
Uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting, but I try to take uh, each day at a time. I know when they first announced the 31-man uh, camp roster, I knew I was against some pretty tough uh, competition. And at this level, the margins are very small, so I was just trying to go in and do the best I can and uh, try to make the most of my opportunity. And for our game against Mexico, we're all pretty excited for it, and we're just trying to um, look at the details and play our best football we can. Jason Kreis was quoted as saying that when you came into that camp, you were fitter than everyone. That was the word he used for for you, Hassani, fitter than everyone. Can you explain why that was? What sort of training that you'd been doing? I'm sure that's just part of your MO in normal circumstances, but what did lead you to a a really high level of conditioning and preparedness for that 31-man roster that got slimmed down to 20? Yeah, so, I mean, in the off-season, I go actually back down to uh, Corvallis. That's where my, my girlfriend and her family are from. So I go down there, and now I've just been running each day. But I think I think there's a lot of fit guys on the team. I think for me, it's just I've been working on my confidence. And um, I think normally I have pretty good work rate, and I think when I put those two together, I was just um, trying to make the most of my opportunity because, you know, it's an honor to be called into the camp, and you never know uh, what, what um, when your last day of playing soccer would be, you know. So I just try to um, think about that and give my best effort every time I stepped on to the pitch, whether it's for like a small side of the game or like soccer, tennis, even. So, um, so yeah. Hassani Dotson joining us, finished out his Oregon State men's soccer career a couple of years ago, now on the USA U23 squad, trying to qualify for the Olympics. When you come back to Corvallis in the offseason, what sort of running are we doing? Are you talking about like Bald Hill? Are you running on a treadmill? You're at Pro Throw Field during a workout on the turf. What, what do you do in Corvallis when you're working out there? Yeah, so, I mean, it varies. Um, Minnesota United, they give me like a workout program, so I start. I try to stick to that, and sometimes I'll play small-sided with some of the guys that I still know there. Um, sometimes I'll run. Like, my girlfriend, she'll drive to work, and I'll just like, hey, in the morning, just drop me off like four miles from the house, and then I'll try to just jog that back just for like a morning run or something like that. And, um, yeah, I just try to change things up just so my body doesn't get used to one type of thing. And then... Um, then, yeah, that's pretty much it. The USA has not qualified for the Olympics since Freddie Adu scored two goals against Canada to secure a spot in the Beijing Olympiad. That was 13 years ago. You were, gosh, about 11 years old at that point. I think you'll turn 24 during this year's Olympics. You'll turn 24, and I think it's August. Do you remember watching the, the 2008 Olympics, seeing Team USA go there with Brian McBride, Michael Bradley, Robbie Finley was a, was an alternate on that roster, former Oregon State player himself. Do you remember the last time Team USA made the Olympics? Actually, I I do not remember. Um, I was still, you know, trying to watch soccer at the time. Um, I just I watched this my first major tournament that I watched was the World Cup in 2006. And, um, but the last two cycles, I remember watching when the U.S. tried to uh, qualify 
But uh, unfortunately, I did not watch that year. That's all right. You'll get to start a new trend perhaps here in the, the 2021 games. Uh, Hassani Dotson joining us here on the show. Uh, as far as just your chance to play in the Olympics, obviously the, this Olympics should have happened last year. And I'm curious what your status was a year ago. Now, on one hand, you know, players, the, the way the Olympics works is that it's a U23 roster. You can have three players that are over 23 but they still this year are allowing players who were eligible last year to still be on the team this year, even if they've you know gotten to 24, whatever it may be. But st- things still could have been different last year, depending on what your level was then, how, the, what the coaches thought of you, how prepared you were. So take me back to last year. Would things have been different? Do you think you would have been on the roster? Was it that extra year that changed things and gave you a bigger opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, so I remember uh, we got called into the camp. Um, I'm not sure if it was the same 31-man uh, roster camp. I think I was, yeah, it was just the, the camp for the qualifiers. Um, and I remember I was playing a little deeper, um, like more defensive mid. But um, in terms of status on the team, um, I'm not sure that's one for the coaching staff. Um, but I do remember, like, last year, the conditions were a little bit more tougher for me. I think when I came back, because we're staying in the same hotel, same environment, um, I felt um, more comfortable this year. And I think also another year of, you know, building more chemistry with the guys, even though we're not on the same team, we're just um, connecting on social media and after games, you know, and it's become more like a family throughout the with the like with the whole team. So I think for me, I think this year I was more more prepared. Yeah. Speaking of that, your switch kind of defensive mid and, and the various places you played at Oregon State in particular. I was talking to Terry Boss recently, who was your head coach. I think it was just your last year when he came in, and when I asked Terry about you and, and getting to play in the U twenty three squad, he said, you know, I remember scouts and people would call and ask about other players and I had to tell them hey look at Hassani Dotson look at this guy he may not score a lot that's not always his role but you got to watch this guy because he's going to be big do you think that was kind of the perception that you got overlooked a little bit because your role wasn't to score goals and once you left Oregon State you, you started to see some more exposure both in MLS and the U23 squad yeah, I mean, I don't really worry too much about, uh, like, personal accolades. Like, for me, I just try to help the team win, and I'm a big competitor, whether it's, like, family games, like Monopoly, I want to win everything. And so um, being on the pitch with OSU, I just try to do the best for the team. And, you know, yeah, I was doing most of the dirty work, but, um, you know, if I give my all and 100% I work the hardest I can, I'm, I'm content with that, and I just hope the – all the other pieces fall into place. Yeah, last couple of things for you, Hassani. Hassani Dotson joining us ahead of uh, Team USA, the U23 squad taking on Mexico. And one more match after that, if they win it, they would head to uh, the Olympics in Tokyo. How did you get your start playing soccer? You talked about kind of 06, the World Cup. I think that was 
Spain and Andres Iniesta, if I remember correctly, and, and kind of maybe falling in love with soccer, if not before that, then by 2006, when you were growing up in Federal Way, Washington, when did soccer become a reality before you, even before you ever thought about, hey, I could play in the Olympics? How did you get your start in soccer? Yeah, so it just, um, my stepdad, he played soccer, and I was always around, um, like, all of his matches, but I grew up playing soccer and basketball. And that was just, you know, something to get me out of the house to meet new kids out of school. And it was just something fun for me to do. And each year I became, you know, more in love with the game of soccer. And that 2006 World Cup, that year my parents were like, okay, like, you're starting to get older, starting to get more expensive. You can play both, but you should start, like, you know, it'd be best if you can start, you know, thinking of one, especially like having soccer practice and basketball practice right after I was getting kind of burnt out. So when I watched the 2006 um, World Cup on that such a global stage and, you know, that being every four years and watching all my favorite soccer players like Ronaldinho and Terry Henry and Brian McBride, all of them like playing and competing on the world stage. Um, I, I remember telling my dad after the World Cup, I said, yep, I'm choosing soccer. That's my that's my favorite sport, and it just um, it continued on ever since. And my siblings, they all play soccer as well. So, um, yeah, we're just a big soccer family. Yeah, that, that's awesome to hear. Last thing, Hassani, you've got a lot ahead of you. A lot you've already been able to do at Team USA. I know this may be way down the road because you want to keep on playing soccer with Minnesota FC and, and in the USA national system for as long as you can, but. What is what is this set up for you beyond in life in terms of what you'd like to do once soccer comes to an end, however many years down the road that may be, um, both in terms of what soccer has set up for you and, and the challenges it brings, the adversity, the, the building character, the opportunities and connections with other people? Do you want to stay in the game afterwards? Do you want to you know, start a career in, in something else? Uh, what do you kind of plan on doing with, with your life post-soccer? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's given me the platform as long as, like, having a degree to um, explore many options. But my passion is soccer, so I would like to stay in the game for as long as I can. And afterwards, um, I could see myself being, like, a potential coach or um, just being able to help kids get on the field, whether it's soccer or the sports, you know, because for me it was like um, – it was a, like a release, a way to get away, and, and, you know, it helped me develop many other skills that I appreciate that I learned now, like leadership and how to, you know, be in, a, like, a friendship or a relationship with others, you know. It teaches you a lot of stuff, discipline as well. So, um, yeah, I could definitely see myself um, being involved with soccer when I'm done. Well, I hope the best for you. It's going to be fun to watch USA versus Mexico Wednesday night and the uh, semifinal after that. Best of luck to you and the whole team, Hassani. Hope to see you all in the Olympics in Tokyo later this year. Thanks for chatting with us on the show. Yep, thank you for having me. And we'll be. Oh, it cut off right at the end. Uh, I, I don't know why it cut off. He said, go Beavs at the end, which was fun to see uh, from Hassani Dotson. I did watch that Wednesday night match. I, I talked to him 
a Tuesday afternoon ahead of that Wednesday match. It didn't really matter if USA won that match because they were already into the semifinal. They ended up losing to Mexico 1-0, but it was a pretty even match. Uh, Mexico won it, and now uh, Team USA will play Honduras on Sunday. If they win that, they're on to the Olympics for the first time since the 2008 Beijing Games. And Asani Dotson could potentially be a big factor in that, both for Sunday and uh, that Tokyo Games coming up later this year. All right, we have one more interview coming up on the show. Frankie Hamoudi coming on momentarily. Oregon State softball player actually talked with her alongside John Warren. Yes, was it yesterday, Tuesday? Now I forget. The the days all blend together. All I know is that tomorrow, Oregon State men's basketball plays in the Sweet 16. We got baseball tonight, softball, volleyball tonight, soccer playing, and a whole lot of stuff going on this weekend. Frankie Hamoudi coming up. I've also got just a little conversation. Uh, a, a little we we called it a hot take earlier this week. Never got to talk about Cade Cunningham. Some some reflections back from the game this past weekend with Oregon State and Oklahoma State. So if we've got time, I'll, I'll fit that in as well. Your texts and calls, if you want to call during the break, I can pick it up. I'm alone here in studio, but you can call in during the break, 541-497-5356. That's 497-KEJO. And you can send text to that same number as well. And I'll read off the text on the University Honda text line and the Downward Dog Sports Line. This is the Joe Beaver Show. I'm Josh Warden, back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. Hey, Beaver fans. Over the past several months, we all have come together to help each other in this COVID struggle. But would you know how to help a family member or a coworker in the time of an emergency? Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we teach people the skills to help someone in the time of an emergency. I am currently holding both virtual and in-person classes for CPR and first aid. For more information or to schedule a class, contact me at CPR-Works.com. Go Beavs! It's a party, and it's every Friday night at Highland Bowl in Corvallis. Thunder Alley! It starts at 9 and runs until 11. Check out the black lights. Plus, you can request a song and bowl to your favorite music. It's just 12 bucks a person, and that includes unlimited bowling, shoes, and prizes. Call now and reserve a lane. It's Thunder Alley! And it's every Friday night from 9 until 11 at Highland Bowl, North 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up, you knock them down. Did you know that the Natty Dresser is the area's premier suit and tuxedo provider? We have a nice selection of suits in stock from Hart Schaffner Marks and Baroni Couture. We are also the area's expert tuxedo and suit rental shop. We can fit guys from 5T to size 60 long, weddings, proms, and business interviews. We are here for all the important moments of your life. The Natty Dresser, purveyors of quality menswear, open Monday through Saturday at our new location on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban in the heart of historic downtown Albany. Locally owned and operated Angry Beaver Grill is open for dine-in Tuesday through Friday from 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. and weekends beginning at noon on Saturdays and 9.30 Sundays for breakfast. Try all of the Angry Beaver favorites, including their Reuben and French dip sandwiches, burgers, tacos, and choice flat iron steak dinner. And don't miss the Friday prime rib dinner special. Take in MLB, NBA, and Pac-12 games on Angry Beaver's 22 big screens or relax in their expanded outdoor seating area. Support local at Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. 
Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Don't miss Power Motorsports Spring Watercraft Sale and Open House. Find your definition of fun on the water with a lineup of incredible rides, like a huge selection of personal watercraft in stock, like the 2021 Sea-Doo Spark 2-Up 90 with IBR Convenience Package, starting at 7999 The 2021 Sea-Doo Fish Pro lets you get closer to the action, starting at $16,999. You'll experience fishing like never before. Your Sea-Doo life starts at Power Motorsports in Sublimity, online at powermotorsports.com. 12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-12-4-
about the Oregon State softball season thus far. Let's get to that conversation right now. The first question I asked Frankie was about the new field. This was the first time they played on Kelly Field. It was implemented last year, but they never did play a home game last year. Played all their games on the road, and then the season was canceled. By the way, you'll hear John Warren in this conversation talk to Frankie earlier this week uh, when we thought we were going to have her live on the show on Wednesday, and we just recorded it and said, we'll, we'll play it when we finally do have a show, and that ended up being today. So John and I chatted with Oregon State softball player, first baseman coming off a two-home run performance against California this past weekend. They play Arizona starting today in a series down in Tucson. So here's Frankie Hamoudi starting with what it was like to play on the new field, the new turf, the big Beaver logo out in center field, and all the new digs at the OSU softball complex. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we haven't actually had a home game since, I think, like 2019, they were saying. So I never really thought about it. That it was really that long that we hadn't played at home. So it was, it was nice to, like, you know, relax and not have to travel and, like, just, like, be able to, you know, like, chill a little bit after our game, sort of, like, going to the hotel or whatever. And the field was held up great with the rain. For once, we didn't have to, you know, like, rain, delay, delay, or cancel games. So, that was good. Yeah, a couple delays, but you got all the games in and, and got all four, mm-hmm. um, which, which was fun. How did you spend – the the pandemic obviously the season still got a decent number of games in 2020 but the season cut short what what did your life look like through the rest of the spring and summer of 2020 well actually so i actually had an injury before uh the second game of the season in 2020 so i was out indefinitely probably for the rest of the season anyways so i kind of had a blessing in disguise i guess <laughs> as you say. Um, so I really focused on getting my injury back to normal. Um, and then I really focused on hitting. I was able to hit a lot when I was at home. And um, kind of just we make, me and my sister, like, makeshift workouts at the house. And we'd go to, like, um, a park where there's super crazy stairs. And we'd run the stairs that kind of stuff. So it was kind of kind of like adaptation. You know, like we just whatever we could find we would use. <laughs> did you have a cage? How did you what did you do for hitting? Um, so uh, we were actually blessed enough, um an old alum from here has cages back in um the Bay Area where I live at. So uh they were like, Hey you guys come in and use these um you know, it's, it's COVID, so no one's in here, so you won't be exposed to anything. So that's so it'll just be you guys, and that's it. So that was cool. That was great. With you growing up with your sister Nicole, your parents both went to Cal, then graduated in 1989. Now your younger sister ended up choosing Cal and plays softball there for the Golden Bears. You being the older one, yeah. you, you left the Bay Area, came from Oakland up to Corvallis. How, how did you make that decision? I, I don't know how much your parents were like, oh, you should go to Cal, play there. Maybe they, they were good <laughs> anywhere. How did you make oh, the decision yeah. to come to Oregon State? Uh, my mom was, she was crying. She wanted me to go to Cal so bad. <laughs> um, but I think for me, I 
I grew up with Cal, and I, I always rooted for them, you know, and, like, that was our school, whatever. But for some reason, I just wanted something different for college, and, and I felt like not necessarily I wouldn't be able to grow as a person or a player when I'm there, but I thought I would just benefit a lot more from just going a little farther from home. And then I also just really liked the Oregon State coaching staff a lot more, to be quite honest. <laughs> Did it uh, take long for your mom to get used to the fact that you weren't going to go to Cal? Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> even even after I committed, she was she was still wanting. You sure you don't want to go to Cal? You sure you don't want to go to Cal? Like, yeah, I'm okay, mom. <laughs> I'm guessing, I mean, at when you were getting recruited and you're coming out of high school, now California's head coach is Chelsea Spencer. But at, at the time, it was Diane Ninemeyer. Now, yes. I, 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 you can say however much you want. Maybe we'll just focus on what that says about Laura Berg more than what it says about California. But what was it about the coaching staff that you ultimately liked better at Oregon State? Um, I mean, just Coach Berg is just, Pittsburgh, you know, uh, she's she's the only four-time Olympian, you know, all that good stuff, all her her Olympic stuff, and um, I knew um, assistant at the time, he was pretty cool, and just the way they recruited me, and they like actually cared about me as a person and not just a player. Like I felt like sometimes coaches were just like. Okay, we we want you to play for us. That's it. And I was like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah. But like at the end of the day, you know, I'm gonna get my um, degree and all that type of stuff. So I'd like to be able to do things that I actually want to do. Because when I went to a couple other schools, they were like, oh, well, most of the girls are just they they major in this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, huh, okay, well. I don't necessarily know what I want to do, but those three options didn't sound like the greatest. So um, it was it was like a matter of like school and a mixture of the coaching. So hmm. Frankie Hamoudi, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show. So you you come up to bat and you're first at bat as a Beaver and hit a home run. <laughs> it, it's only downhill <laughs> from there, right? <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, um, you know, you, you go through that process. Your mom wants you to go to Cal. You end up at Oregon State. You've been here for a couple of years now. How's it going? Do, do you like your decision? Clearly you do, but, uh, but to I, what extent? Yeah, I would, I would not change my decision whatsoever. Um, we have great coaching here. Uh, Coach Lab is fantastic with the hitting. And Coach Berg is just brings so much energy that I feel like you can't necessarily um, get out of a lot of people. Like, um, they always try to get us to, like, get people going, get people going sometimes. And it's like, you know, we want to all be like Coach Berg and have that energy like Coach Berg. But some people just don't have that. And, and I need you that from the coach because I am a player that needs a lot of energy. So I feel like. I just I made the right decision. I I would not change anything whatsoever. Uh, I'm curious. Come back to the the Cal series this past weekend, Frankie, just to play 
now against your sister. You worked out with her in the previous offseason, grew up with her and all that. But then to play against her, I, the, maybe the most fun part was your two home run performance in that Saturday game. Now, Nicole plays third base for California. They switch, so she's not the everyday third baseman, but she's there a fair amount. When you hit your home yeah. runs, I, I think she may not have been in on defense. I'm curious if you rounded third base and if she was there as you're rounding third. Was, was she not in the game for your two home runs? Do you remember? Uh, I, I Actually, I don't think she was in that game. Yeah. I think she played the game before. And the game after. <laughs> yeah, you were too focused on the home runs anyways. Now, I do know at one point you were playing defense at first, and she had reached yeah. first. Now, and I, I said on the air, I was doing the play-by-play for the live stream, and I thought, I wonder if they're talking to each other at all, two sisters right next oh, to yeah. each other. I, I'm guessing you're mostly focused on the game, but but did you have a, a little nod, a little comment, and say anything there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were, we were smack-talking the whole game, honestly. Good. Good. <laughs> Every- Every time she was um, taking, like, warm-up throws at third base or ground balls, I mean, uh, and I was in the dugout, we were just talking mad crap to each other. <laughs> I love that. That's <laughs> great. Same, same thing when I went to first base. She was in the dugout yapping at me. <laughs> what, was there a little it, bit? It, since... was a, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot oh i bet there was one point where she had the bases loaded and and she ended up striking mariah mason struck her out and i'm was there a little mm-hmm. bit of like oh too bad for my sister or is it just completely yeah good good you struck out go back down you know that sort of thing <laughs> i mean it was after the game i was like i mean at least you you know you had a great at bat and that's good for you but i was not Bad that she didn't <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. If that makes sense. Is this a, a team that can make the NCAA regionals? Sorry, say that again? Is this a team you think that has what it takes to make the NCAA regionals? Our, our Oregon State softball team? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think we are capable of being any team in this country. Well, as long as we got all three cylinders going, then we're going to be good. Because I believe that we have a lot of players that are bought in this year. And I'd say in previous years, there were players that were bought in, but not everyone. So I, I feel like the energy and the tone is just a lot different. And everyone is working really hard towards the goal of, you know, the World Series. What's it like to to play on a team that has the possibility to literally have a perfect game and a no hitter <laughs> in a double header. I mean, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was crazy. I'm, the funny thing is, is, I feel like almost everyone didn't necessarily realize what was going on during the game. We're just kind of having fun and like, we were super loose and just, you know, playing the, the sport that we love to play, like, I don't know, it, it kind of felt like we were almost like little kids again. Like, it was a lot of fun. I don't know how to explain it other than that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Hey, last couple of things with Frankie Hamoudi. Um, you've got a lot of more weekends upcoming in the Pac-12 schedule um, what's kind of you, your, um, you know, next for you? Let's, let's say 
personally for you? Do you have a personal goal for, for what you want to reach? I'm sure mostly it's just we want the team to do well, but what's kind of your goal personally this season? Um, so my goal as a player, ever since I started playing college softball, I always wanted to become a All-American. So I've been really trying to focus on making sure that you know, I, I don't make any more errors at first base and like my defense will be solid and I'm also working really hard on my um, offense. So I want to be more consistent and, and um, you know, not just hit home runs and that's it, you know, because sometimes there's those players that just hit home runs and then if they don't hit a home run, then they're kind of like, eh. <laughs> so I want to be like an all-around consistent player. So that's that's my biggest focus this season. When you set those goals, coaches know all of what each of you want to do. But you have a coach like Laura Berg, who's the most decorated mm-hmm. softball player in the country. Is it? Do you guys have that respect, that kind of knowledge that if you have a personal goal and she tells you something? You might want to listen to that guy because because of her un- incredible experience Absolutely. and knowledge. Yeah, definitely. Um, Coach Coach Berg knows my goals as a player, and um, one of my goals before uh, or when I started playing college softball was to be part of the USA team, and so um, she helped me reach that goal for sure. 100%. And so now I'm just on to the next goal. And she knows exactly what it is, and she's going to hold me to the standard that I need to play at. And so, um, much respect here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, last thing, Frankie. We mentioned earlier, and you were talking about why you chose Oregon State, kind of what you wanted to do. Maybe you didn't have it all figured out of what you wanted to do, but you could tell Oregon State cared about it and had options of you know, figuring yourself out and, and doing academically and professionally post-softball. You st- at least started out, and maybe you're still a university exploratory studies, kind of figuring out, have you solidified a major? Have you learned more about what you do want to do? It's okay if you haven't figured that all out, but what mm-hmm. what have you learned since then? Um, so I actually declared last year um, a public health major with uh, – a focus on um, health promotion, health behavior. So um, I really want to become a firefighter paramedic after college. So I kind of just want to take something that was in the health industry but wasn't necessarily pre-med. Um, and then COVID happened. So then it ended up being a great choice. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, there's a couple of guys on the baseball team, uh, Troy Clonch and um, one other who want to go into firefighting. I think wildland firefighting for them, though, not not paramedic work. Yeah. Well, that is absolutely honorable and uh, a, a great uh, a great profession, and you can certainly get there. But you've got a lot of softball for you in your future. Last thing from me. With the extra year of eligibility, you like that? Would you take advantage of that and, and play uh, an extra year when you, when you have that? I mean, right now you're a sophomore, but when that comes down to where you've already graduated and you might have a year left to play, would you play? Um, yeah, I, I am planning on definitely taking my extra year. Um, 
I don't think I can personally walk away from softball um, knowing that I had an opportunity to play again. Mm. So when my time is up, my time will be up. <laughs> nice. Like to hear that. Hey, Frankie, thanks so much for your time. Good luck at Arizona this weekend. You'll be back home the following weekend. You can catch those games. Pac-12 Networks for everyone listening beginning April against Oregon. So a couple big weekends coming up. Good luck in those games. Thanks for coming on the show, Frankie. Thank you guys so much. All right, there is Frankie Hamoudi. Thanks for uh, her joining the show. Again, they play uh, today down in Arizona. So thanks for her and Hassani Dotson as well as Nia Buckner and Mike Parker joining the show. we got about seven minutes left to take a quick break. Um, one texter wants to check, will Mike's call of the game be available by streaming or radio only? Both to answer that question. We will stream the game tomorrow, kejoam.com, or listen live, or the TuneIn app. Um, you can listen. We will switch to baseball uh, after basketball, but we'll stream the whole basketball game, then switch over to baseball on the stream. And for radio, it's 12.40 a.m. for men's basketball tomorrow, and baseball will be on 9.90 a.m. KTHH. That's tomorrow, baseball today on 12.40. That's coming up in about four hours. John Warren has the call, first pitch at 5 o'clock. Last break, and we'll close it out. I've got a thought on Cade Cunningham. Uh, we'll continue to preview men's basketball Taking on Loyola Chicago. Sweet 16 tomorrow. This is the Joe Beaver Show. I'm Josh Warden. This is 1240 Joe Radio. You could be driving a Honda. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Honda Minute where we talk Hondas. And no better to do that with than with our favorite Honda dealership in Corvallis, University Honda. University Honda Sales, are you calling about Honda's 0% financing event? Uh, no, but that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's great. For the first time ever, Honda is offering 0% finance deals on all of their trucks, vans, SUVs, and crossovers. Wow, 0%? That's like free money. Uh, I'm not sure you can technically say free money, because it is still a loan and you do have to qualify, but there is no interest charged, so yeah, it's pretty amazing. You can't say free money? That doesn't sound right. You, you, can't, you can't say free money. Yeah, I'm not sure you can technically call a 0% loan free money. Huh. Well, I guess maybe you can't call it free money, even though it sounds like it to me. But for that deal and others, head on over to University Honda on 9th Street in Corvallis or uhonda.com. And until next time, safe travels, my friends. Did you know that the Natty Dresser is the area's premier suit and tuxedo provider? We have a nice selection of suits in stock from Hart Schaffner Marks and Baroni Couture. We are also the area's expert tuxedo and suit rental shop. We can fit guys from 5T to size 60 long. Weddings, proms, and business interviews. We are here for all the important moments of your life. The Natty Dresser, purveyors of quality menswear, open Monday through Saturday at our new location on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban in the heart of historic downtown Albany. Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, Corvallis Floor Covering would like to thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and looks forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Stop by and see Wendy, Robin, or Brian and check out their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood floorings, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beefs. 
Grab fun by the handlebars with Kawasaki Jet Ski Ultra 310 Series Personal Watercraft. Hit the water with the exciting Jet Ski Ultra 310X. The Jet Ski Ultra 310R is built for competition with an 18th position MX style handlebar and sports seat. And the Jet Ski Ultra 310LX features jet sound audio and heat resistant seat cover fabric. The water is calling. Answer it with the Kawasaki Jet Ski Ultra 310 Series. Get your new jet ski during the spring watercraft sale and open house at Power Motorsports in Sublimity. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis really is pizza for all. Whether you're thinking meat mania, vegan victory, vegetarian virtuousness, or whatever you want to name your pizza, Woodstock's Pizza has it. They have over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free, and cheese choices that include vegan and dairy-free. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis Valis really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Our last couple minutes on the Joe Beaver Show here today. I'm Josh Warden. All right, last thought here on the show as we look ahead to men's basketball tomorrow, the Sweet 16. Haven't talked that much this whole week about the Oklahoma State game. Didn't have a show a couple of the days and just so many other sports going on. But I have a thought about Cade Cunningham. Most of you who have watched the game probably really liked Cade Cunningham. He's probably going to be the number one overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft. A great player. I, I like him too. Seems like a cool guy. Seems like a great player. I'm not going to call him overrated. I'm not saying he's overrated. But I do have a question. I, I just have a, a, a slight, just, a, just a, a thing I'm wondering about. At the end of the day, for a player who's known as a scorer, and he does more things than just score, he's a good rebounder, gets a decent amount of assists, he, he plays active defense, gets a lot of steals, so he's not just a shooter, but that is one of the main things he's known for, is he's a high-volume scorer, and sometimes I just wonder, for guys who are known for their scoring, why their field goal percentage is as low as it is. And he doesn't have a particularly low field goal percentage, Shoots at around 44%, I think it is. That's not terrible. But if you were watching him, when I, when I see him play, I see first-round pick. I wouldn't have been surprised if anyone says, oh, yeah, that guy would probably be drafted in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. Looks great. But I don't always see number one overall pick. And I'm just thinking, if, if you score like a number one overall pick, shouldn't that be a little higher? Now, part of that is he shoots a fair amount of threes. And if you shoot 44% on threes, he doesn't shoot quite that high. He's about 40% then that ups it a little bit because every time you make a three, yeah, you might only – your field goal percentage, if you take a lot of threes, would be a little bit lower, but you're getting more points out of those threes. So really, effective field goal percentage, which accounts for three-pointers, they count for 1.5 as much as every one field goal. But his effective field goal percentage is still decent, still good, 53.8%. But – but is that number one overall worthy? Am I am I crazy for asking that? Am I, what am I missing here? If you look at now, just compare that to teams. Like, okay, what what's an effective field goal percentage for most teams? Shouldn't the number one overall pick be higher than most teams? Shouldn't if you just you know take him out, compare him to all the teams, he should be like near the top, right? Cade Cunningham is the same effective field goal percentage as Virginia Military Institute at 41st in the country. That's still good. That's a, that's a, he's a good player. 
Is he number one overall? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he probably will be drafted there, and he'll probably have a great NBA career. There's probably way more things. There's a reason uh, that scouts love him, and so I'm sure, he'll, sure he'll do well. It's just, just something I'm wondering. Does he shoot high enough percentage? And he's got a lot of room to grow. He's a young kid. Either way, Loyola Chicago shoots a really good percentage too, over 50% from the field, and they got some good three-point shooters as well. That game tomorrow at 11:40. Catch it right here on 12:40 a.m. I'm Josh Ward, and signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the Joe Beaver Show. All set, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 12:40. Joe Radio.